Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you. Helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others. Helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well-being and empowerment. Helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully. And helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cosy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I always love hearing from you and hearing what you take away from the episodes of this podcast. So if you feel called to leave a review on iTunes or send me a DM on Instagram or Facebook, I absolutely adore hearing from you, hearing what's going on for you and hearing how you're creating change from the inside out. Before I introduce today's stellar guest, just a quick reminder that Unbound doors are closing and we start this Thursday, the 20th of February. The course is available worldwide. It's six weeks to work on your business and to learn the art of socially conscious business. We're going to together be creating a new paradigm of leadership and business that allows us to work sustainably to center people and planet, not just profit. And we're really going to be diving deep to work through the scarcity that seems to saturate our beings when it comes to making money in our businesses. So if the traditional way of doing business just isn't feeling great, if you're wanting to use your skills um, and step into entrepreneurship, if you've got an established business, if you're a coach, a healer, creative, maybe a consultant, um, or you've got a product-based business and you're wanting to interrupt or disrupt the market, then this is the course for you. We're going to unlearn all the toxic ways of doing business and redefine what it means to be in business as women and to pave a way for women in future generations as well. So you can go to megberryman.com forward slash unbound to enroll or set up a call. It's going to be so beautiful. Six trainings, six circles, six embodiment practices and VIP support, which means you get me via Voxer, which is a voice messaging app every single day for six weeks to work on the energetics, the offerings and the operations of your socially conscious business. So if you want to do good without doing harm, then please join us. Today's guest is the wondrous Alex Stewart and Alex is someone I've admired for so many years. I remember reading her blog um, when she first started blogging and I've just followed her evolution um, into really stepping into a leadership role within the wellness spaces and now increasingly within the climate change activist spaces And what I really love about Alex is that her mission is all around um, creating the desire to change as opposed to preaching or forcing or coercing anyone into being a change maker. She's the founder of Low Tox Life. She's an author. She's an educator. And in this conversation, we really dive deep into what leadership means for her and how she balances... um, being 
the creator of a large community whilst also living her life and processing grief and the big feelings that we all feel when we're faced with um, the magnitude of some of the challenges that we as a collective are facing. So I know you're going to love this course, uh, this call, should I say. And speaking of course, Alex um, has the Low Tox Living course that's opening um, for enrollments as well at the moment. And that starts, I think, on the 23rd of Feb. So you can go to her website, Low Tox Life, and check that out as well. Here is my wonderful convo with Alex. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very peaceful. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I feel really excited to have this conversation because I've listened to you and your podcast for so long that it's um, really an honour to have you on mine. So I wanted to get started with the question that I ask everyone and that is, what is the change that you want to see in the world and how are you currently expressing or exploring that? So I think justice is a really big theme for me and many people right now and um, that can feel really vague and almost too big sometimes because there's always going to be injustice in the world. But through the lens of food, uh, agriculture, big business, chemical industry uh, is kind of where I at least feel uh, a sense of call to uh, create impact however and whenever I can. And, you know, when you want to see change in the world, my theory, which is a well-known theory, um, is you start with your own circle of influence. You just come back to having a helpful conversation with your sister or a friend or at a community workshop or with 60,000 people on Facebook. It doesn't matter how many people it is. Uh, that's how I seek to create more justice in the world by being helpful and opening people's eyes up to just how their shopping basket can dramatically change the world we live in, in by by what they put in it. I love it. I love it because it's a theory that I share a lot is this didactic conversation theory of the mm -hmm. social change, which is it's, it's in the connections between people and the conversations that that's the meat of social change to me. And I love, I love what you shared. So I'm curious how you came to start getting more confident to talk about these things and to just grow your own understanding of how change happens and how you can be an influencer or, or someone who's impactful within that space. Mm. Look, I think anyone can be impactful and uh, I think that's the great flaw of our current version of democracy is that we still have people trying to make people feel small and trying to be scared. Um, it's easier to control people who feel small and are scared and, uh, and I think it's incredibly uh, empowering when you connect to something in the world that puts a fire in your belly that makes you think, I have to do something, however big or small it is. And that's certainly what it was for me. It wasn't that I woke up one day and consciously decided to be brave and start talking. It was more that I felt driven um, to the point that it would be inauthentic for me to not say anything, if that makes sense. So yeah. I just started and you know, you start by sharing things with your friends and family and if it resonates in some way, then a stranger might happen upon it because they share it along. And I'll never forget one day in 
um, my blog, which I think at the time back in 2011 was having maybe 60 views a day or something really, really small, um, a stranger commented and said, oh, I think you should have a Facebook page because, we, you know, we want to talk about the stuff that you're writing and we want to, you know, ask you more questions and get some more resources. And I thought, oh. So while there was an initial sense of call, there was then motivation from the outside that sort of just kept confirming for me, if you like, that I was doing the right thing um, by, by deciding to try and influence thought in, in this area. Mm. It's, um, it's so profound because I think we're at this really amazing point in history when the fear of not doing anything is now getting greater than the fear of doing something, which is incredibly exciting for me and you as, as practitioners in this space. And, and then I love that pull factor of, and then someone is listening. And I remember I had a conversation with our, with our dear friend Brooke on her podcast. And it was the first time when she and then others were like, Oh, they, like this nexus of, of patriarchy and capitalism and social change and, and wellness, it was like there's, a, there's, a, there's something there, there's energy there. And, and I think the combination of those two push and pull factors is really pulling us like quite um, quickly into action, which is really exciting. So, yeah. Well, it is. And I also want to add to that, though, that we have to be really conscious about when things get really loud and big, which they really are right now, things often get loud and angry before they finally die away. Um, we can often be um, sort of grapple with a sense of um, paralysis, like oh, what is my place in this or, oh, it's just all too big, I just have to go and read a book to my five-year-old because I just can't even get my head around what an action step would look like. So um, if one is feeling super overwhelmed or, you know, I've had this sensation where you spiral, like your energy just spirals. Um, you know, any Aussie in the bushfire experience would have had some spiralling moments. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think we have to be really conscious of the sweep up and just making sure we feel like we're honouring ourselves and um, being true to the fact that we know it is a call to action and look at what the baby step looks like for us so that we make sure we're making it instead of getting swept up in a conversation that creates little action. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's why your work really speaks, I think, to a lot of people's experience of starting <clears throat> within our homes and within our inner world and within our sphere of influence um and it has to start there mm. um because that if we I, I believe if we can tap into hope there then that does have an impact and I actually don't really believe in a hierarchy of impact that like the bigger the better I actually think that every action mm. has can be amplified can have a ripple effect and and as you said it's relearning that we are actually really powerful and we actually are really impactful and we're we're already having an effect every day. We're just not super conscious of it. So you have talked to, I've loved recent conversations and, and you broadening your sphere of influence into like the regenerative ag space, the climate change space. And you've, you've talked with a lot of people and you've done lots of research yourself yeah. around, um, around this space. So I wonder in all those conversations and in all your research, what are some of the truths that you have learned maybe recently that have really stuck? 
through those conversations. The thing that I keep coming back to, and it's hard, you know, because when we think about, um, as I guess you've alluded to food and climate change, right, really when you, you were just kind of talking then, and food has always been so gosh darn emotional for people, so emotion-led and so spiralling. You know, when we talk about spiralling is the antithesis of action and moving forward, um, we get swept up in these abusive arguments. And in the 80s and 90s, it was about what to eat to lose weight. And even in the 2000s. And while that conversation is still happening, we've now overlapped, uh, like, overlaid a new conversation around food what to eat to save the planet or what to eat to be a righteous eater and then that's got a whole bunch of spiraling and emotion around it as well and you know I read all the articles I've taken everyone's point of view I completely understand people that don't want to eat meat completely like I really really do um and uh and I completely understand people putting out articles about the different milks and you know, like the the um, the emissions that are attached to various types of plant-based milks, and um, but when you actually look at it all, it's not about the what; it's about the how. How does one farm? That's the most important thing, and then that allows everybody to do their thing in their own way that works for them and their family and their health because we're all bio-individual, different people thrive on different diets, to suggest that there might be one diet for human health and planetary prosperity is ignorant, unfortunately. It just is. It's not true. And the more hateful conversations we have trying to disprove each other, the less we're going to look at what the common threads are, which is how are people farming and giving more back to the earth than they are taking. And I will support any farmer of any form of agriculture that is giving more back to the earth than they are taking. It is not for me to judge. We've turned food into a religion. We would try and get everybody to convert to our religion. And, uh, and instead, just thinking, well, I, I believe this. I'm doing my best within this. And I'm very happy that you're doing that and that's working for you. Just like, you know, like um, sound people think of religion, we need to start thinking that way with food. Otherwise, we're just going to keep arguing with each other instead of focusing on the common denominator we should be focusing on, which is the chemical industry um, and chemical input agriculture, destroying topsoil, destroying our planet, destroying the microbiome of the soil, which means any plant or animal that roams or grows in that um, field is no longer healthful to us, is no longer sequestering as much carbon as it possibly could be. And, um, and that, for me, is the real loss. That's not the conversation. That's not the front-page news. Mm-hmm. We're talking about lab meat to save the world. We're talking about all this crazy technology. We don't need it. If we actually stopped wasting all the food that we waste now, we've got plenty to feed everybody. Let's have a population growth conversation. Um, you know, that's a much tougher conversation to have to get families to actually cap for a couple of generations how many kids they have. But even, you know, like I could talk about this for hours and go down so many different threads because I feel like it's, um, it's a bottomless pit of... Um, stuff to explore but I always just come back to how can we live 
as a person, as a farmer, as a society, as a government, where we give more back to the planet than we take. And then if we think holistically that way, then everyone can play a super beautiful, very empowering role in that. And it can feel like teamwork instead of contact sports, (laughs) which is what it currently feels like. Yeah, because I I just love that. No, I love it so much. It just makes my my whole, um, you know, when you find people to have these conversations with, it makes your whole system like explode. Um, This idea of the shame, you know, the shame piece being used as motivation. I mean, I think we've proven across many different fields now that that does not motivate us. Mm. That puts us into a powerlessness state. That triggers all of our old stuff coming up. Like that creates a stress hormone, creates a scarcity mindset, which is the whole bloody problem with the world that we're living in and so this idea of like really respecting the the what um people are eating and and focusing on the how to me it's also really essential for regenerative culture which is built on connections and respect and um and our common humanity you know that is to me the fabric of what we need to move towards has to start with us finding our way back to each other and then finding our way back to the reflections of ourselves in the earth. Mm. And those two things, deeply impactful, deeply personal and, and quite simple, like spending five extra minutes at the coffee shop talking to someone, you know, that is super important in this conversation as well. Mm. So I'm curious with your evolution through this process of, of becoming a thought leader and, and, and opening I mean, to holding a community of the size that you do, how do you personally navigate these peaks and troughs of grief and overwhelm and also just your own life transitions, being a mum, being a friend, you know, your, your own little things that can keep us not fully in this place of like focusing on our vision? How do you navigate these seasons? Uh, it can be really tricky at times. Like I'm just a regular human. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing superhuman about people who run large communities or a politician or, you know, everyone's just a human and everyone has challenging days. And I think awareness is just one of the most important tools, which is why meditation or even at the very least a little bit of journaling or some self-reflection at the end of the day. What did I love about today? What did I not like? What am I bringing into tomorrow? What do I want to leave out of tomorrow? Really simple frameworks like that. If the word meditation freaks people out, um, I don't know where everyone's at and I just think we need to hold space for however self-awareness can look for each other. Um, and I, I do that and and I think, oh, no, you know what? I actually spent far too long spiralling into one news article and another news article. I read the comments. Huge <laughs> disaster. Like, you know, 101 of and not having mental illness, I think, is not the comments of, um, of media articles. And, uh, and I just make sure that I replace... Um, I replace those days where I spiral a little bit and do unhelpful things to myself, to my own sense of strength and positivity because I'm a super positive person. Mm. So it's really obvious to me when I'm not and I look at why and I see why and I go, "Uh uh-uh, that's not so for me. Um, And then replace it with action. For at least the next day, action becomes my focus. Who can I write to? Um, Write a letter to my MP, write a letter to the shadow MP, 
pick up the phone, sign a petition, um, chat to a friend that I know will understand how I'm feeling, go for a walk, um, so connect with somebody I love um, and, uh, and spend a bit of extra time with my son. My son is like a, a calming force for me. Um, he's 10 now, so he's calming rather than like, <laughs> rather than busy. Um, but yeah, just hanging out with him, reading a book, chatting to him about what he's into and becoming very, very present to something gorgeous and tiny in a regular, regular day is really important to remind you what's important so that when big stuff is happening, you're more useful and effective. Mm. If that makes sense, that just works for me. Um, and, uh, and often I go quiet and I give myself permission to go quiet on social, for example. I just, you know, you can't, you can't have an opinion on everything that's happening, on every news article that shares another corrupt thing that's happening. It's just impossible. And so sometimes retreating completely and just being with the people you love is the best medicine for gaining force again and thinking, okay, so how do I want to show up in the face of all of this stuff happening? And then you just take a gentle step forward. I love that because I think that that retreating and getting present piece is like part of me thinks that sometimes we're so into the fear and so into the bad news stories, which of which there is a huge part of this, which grief needs to be included in our process. But part of me worries that we're like, getting ourselves there super quick by focusing there instead of the moment with our kids and the sun hitting the, the, you know, the trees outside and the chickens, like my favorite part of the day is the chickens scratching in the evening, you know, and just that noise of them and the birds. And, and I think the more we can tune into those moments, actually the more powerful we are because we know what we're fighting for. Yeah. And we're reminded of gratitude, compassion, mm. love, all the things that really matter with all this crazy stuff going on that doesn't really matter but is impacting. You know what I mean? Like there's a difference there. It, it doesn't matter. It's silly. It's horrible. It's not the right way forward. But it is impacting because of the sheer volume of it all going on. And so when we just keep dipping back into what does matter, it keeps reminding us of what we want to centre things back to as a greater society. Mm, yeah and god a world centered around love and compassion and hope and joy that would be wonderful um so i'm curious in terms of some, something that i have noticed with your work is your body of work is um that you're super clear on your strengths and and the leader that you are and i know that's probably taken a lot of refinement of trying lots of things and then whittling it down to like I'm I like teaching or I like speaking or I like holding space or and I think you know activism is at this point where if we can embody the change and then allow others to witness us that that's really powerful but I wonder how this journey to like leadership or whatever you want to call it some people aren't comfortable with that has gone in terms of you finding the strengths that are that are most easeful and aligned and cutting out the rest of the stuff yeah I think um I think part of it is age. Like mm. the 40s is great for that because <laughs> you just, there's there's a newfound um, realisation of who you really are, like at, at a, a much deeper level than I experienced in my 20s and 30s. It's not to say one can't start to dig into and unpack who they truly are in those 
decades because I certainly gave it a red hot go and did move forward. But I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, it's much easier for me to see who I am and I get much more quickly um, dissonant with things that come across my desk or in my news feed as that's not going to serve me or I'm not going to do things that way, that doesn't resonate with me. You know, there's often a call within activism or, or um, creating change in the world, let's say, um, there's often a call for an activist to look a certain way. Yeah. Traditionally, an activist has looked a certain way. And I've got a lot of mates who do look that traditional way of the activist, um, who do incredibly brave work and, you know, chain themselves to trees and, you know, um, stake out parliaments and, and do all sorts of crazy, fantastic things that I just, I don't know whether, you know, and then sometimes you think, oh my gosh, is it because I'm not brave enough? Do I need to work on something there? But we can all show up the way we show up and that matters and that is enough for how yeah. it looks for you right now. And something I have definitely noticed in um, running all of the e-courses that we run, especially Talks that I personally coach, is there are a lot of different people that come into that course, different religious beliefs, different political beliefs, different, but I see what unites us all. And if we really want to make a go of a world moving forward towards peace and kindness in a greater societal um, appreciation of those things, then we have to focus on what unites us all. So, yes, it can be fantastic for your social media reach to make some crazy, you know, huge out there claim or say something really, really nasty about someone and feel unashamed in doing that. And I have, I mean, absolutely no disrespect to people who in their heart feel that that's the way they need to shake things up, make noise and start conversations. But what sits best with me is to start soft conversations. What, what's working for us all? How can we meet in the middle? Um, and sometimes my own beliefs edge forward in those conversations and they might be different to other people's and we might lose some people through that. But I can't be untrue to myself, but I can be gentle. Mm. I can recognise, like, you know, we would like imagine being a coal miner who earns their family's wage and just constantly sees stop coal, stop coal, shut it all down, get rid of it. Yes, that's, that's the big picture, one of the big picture needs of our world moving forward. But we have to talk about transition. We have to talk about these people's fears, these people's um, need to retrain into new industry, the, the incredible economic opportunity of renewables uh, if we actually had a visionary government doing absolutely everything they could to take us there. Um, you know, like I, I just feel like if we keep um, the conversation about what we all want clean air for our kids, you know, um, healthy planet, nice green parks to play in, um, minimal drought and resilient land so that we have a food security and, you know, stop like selling our water overseas when we don't have enough <laughs> a local school. Like yeah. pretty basic stuff and most Aussies would say, yeah, bloody earth, I want those things. And so from that base what can we all do? How can we all get ourselves there on a personal level while we focus on the big picture? 
And um, whenever I struggle is when I um, when I get to uh, what's the word? I feel like um, when I'm too angry, yeah, outwardly angry because I'm not being true to what I know to be true, which is gentle, compassionate conversation. That's what moves us forward. Yeah, I agree. I find when I'm in those cases. I know I have to be that gentle, compassionate, listening. um, How do we find the common ground here? And, like, I look at my favourite leaders and those people emulate those qualities. So, and those countries are performing much better in terms of peace, freedom of press, all the metrics that I consider to be good metrics for a good society. So I think, well, if that's what works on the biggest examples of high-functioning democracy that we can see around the world, then that must surely be what works in smaller communities like a small digital online community. Mm. And also what works for you personally. Like, oh, totally. It starts from the, you being the embodiment. And feel like I'm not like wound up and high cortisol all the time. Yes. That's going to be good for my health. And then, um, and then how am I going to be a great leader then if I'm stressed out to my eyeballs every night? Well, um, then I think we find ourselves in the territory of like when I'm stressed up to my eyeballs, yeah, that reaction and the shame that I want to shame someone because I want to get it out of me and then I want to consume. So therefore I'm not, I'm not being true or congruent to my vision when I'm just like needing to consume to, to quell my anxiety and stress levels. Mm. Um, so as a last question, just conscious of time, I wanted to explore with you how you have built your business in a socially conscious way in terms of operations and offerings and so on, so on and so forth because I personally see the tremendous opportunity for businesses to be a force for good, but we're kind of building a new paradigm like as we speak yeah. and I think there's a lot of relearning and, and filling out for each of us where that's congruent or not. So I'm just curious of your journey and how you see that. Mm. It's funny, um, you know, Every I've been in business now for 10 years. Um, it wasn't actually a business until 2014. Um, if you talk about a business being a, you know, a financial entity that earns money and pays people um, and provides goods and services. And um, so in that time, obviously, you have choices all along the way as to how you grow, how you um, set it up so that you can actually support your family, maybe even support other people's families if you grow the team. And all the way along, everyone who's ever given me business advice um, has said, okay, you need a product. And, um, and every time I research producing a product, <laughs> I think, oh, my gosh, you know, why would I do this when there are A, a few people doing it really, really well who make incredible contributions to the ecology of our planet, to their staff and teams. Why don't I just lend my voice to support them? Education is what resonates with me and has done to this point. Um, And uh, education is definitely lower emissions (laughs) than producing stuff. Um, and part of my education is to remind everybody that we just don't need as much stuff as we've traditionally had. So I feel like through selling um, education support um, in defined learning spaces like our e-courses um, and then speaking and, um, and running the podcast, 
that just feels like it's a really great way to show up for the world, not put too much of a carbon footprint on the world. It's quite easy to carbon offset that kind of a business model because, you know, you know, like I might take a flight and therefore offset it and do all those sorts of things. Um, but also um, we give a small portion of our earnings to different projects that we believe in. So the Ocean Cleanup has been one of them. Oz Harvest has been one of them. Food waste is a great passion of mine, as is, you know, the fact that 50% of Aussie kids don't go to school for breakfast. Um, so I love supporting them and, um, and a couple of other projects. Obviously, the bushfires took up all of our financial fundraising um, in this last quarter uh, and will probably continue to do so for a while. So I feel like I've, I've grown it um, in a way that has um, just naturally grown um, to be able to take on a couple of team members by just having a bigger community of people who take more courses, who then need more support um, and that kind of a thing. Um, and I might make a product. I've had a couple of ideas on... Uh, on something uh, truly zero waste um, that would be really fun to, to try and have a crack at. But uh, you, you also have to respect how you work best and yeah. I'm um, much better at the conversation piece. Like I really just love education. So, um, so who knows what the future holds, but right up until now from 2014, growing through providing um, really great education resources has been a very sustainable way to grow um, and regenerative, one might say, based on the information people learn and how they then change their own lives. So crazy impactful in that way. Mm, I love it. And, again, just being true to you and congruent yeah. with your gifts and strengths. And, and in that way it's sustainable for you as well, not just... Um, not just on the macro level, but also on your level. Mm. Well, Alex, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom today. I just wanted to give you the opportunity. If there's anything coming up within your inner guidance system that you feel like this community needs to hear, whether there's anything else you feel called to share before we close. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, we do have Go Low Talks coming up. Uh, I think it's February 24th. And that's something I personally coach. And for anyone who's never heard of it before, um, it is basically a five-week course where you go through your everyday life and reduce environmental toxins across 23 different topics. So it's not just a swap your shampoo, change your cleaning products kind of vibe. We go deep um, and look into all sorts of things, textiles, heavy metals, dust, detox, um, uh, antibacterials, like everything possibly imagine and uh and it's just such an inspiring coaching space with the students who show up each round we've had people from 49 different countries do it about three or four thousand students now over the last six years and um and it's just it, it just means everyone comes together to just get it sorted and to get their baseline knowledge sorted so you can go through the rest of your life with really good critical thinking skills to make great choices forevermore. And, you know, you don't kind of bits of bits of do it over five years. You just, like, go hard and, um, and make your home beautiful. Why not?
Mm, what a beautiful invitation. Thank you for sharing. And I love the critical thinking piece. It's like oh, so important. Yes, we could have a whole nother conversation. Products, right? Anyone who could just go, oh, these are the safe brands and I'll do them. But if you don't understand the why, um, then you know you find yourself that brand will change its formulation, you still buy it and you'll be none the wiser. So it's really important to wise up. I think it's one of our biggest lacking skills in this busy modern world as we're going so fast we're not wise to to the things in our daily lives anymore and um and for me it's just the greatest gift you can give people is to regain that sense of wisdom and empowerment I mean it's this idea of like no one's coming to save us like there's not this big overarching people looking out for us which is what I think as women we were taught to do and so for me that inner empowerment piece of like no you can do this you can learn this you don't have to go numb to it or like avoid it or you can learn it and gain the confidence and 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 in that way we're kind of creating a generation of women that aren't waiting for someone to come and save them and someone to to give them the answers or looking out for us because they're not that's right beautiful thanks so much again alex for your time today thanks meg